The Gonzo Fatherhood Podcast is brought to you by Utiligrip. Utiligrip is the incredibly simple and Texas-owned firearm storage invention that is 100% made and manufactured in the United States. And from right now until the end of March, when you use the promo code Gonzo, you will get 10% off everything at utiligrip.net. Originally, these guys created a method for holding and displaying surfboards. Then after some modifications, they realized they could actually hold a gang of things, including safely securing firearms. Utiligrip installs in your home, at an outpost, duck blind, or campsite in only minutes, but it lasts a lifetime. Check out the show notes and follow them on Instagram and Facebook for more info. Again, that promo code is G-O-N-Z-O for 10% off at utiligrip.net. Yeah, so welcome back, everybody. I am here with someone who needs no introduction to anybody who's uh, close to me in my life, but I'm still going to give him an introduction and a long one at that. He's a vet, an incredible friend, and a father. His name is Sam. I met him when I was an instructor at Goodfellow, and since then, we've had countless karaoke nights, uh, UFC fights, and sporting events together. Uh, drives across the country, the U.S., drives across Europe. He was at my wedding. He was at my sister's wedding. Uh, he was blank man at a pub run. <laughs> Sam, welcome, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. I was just waiting my turn. I couldn't miss it. <laughs> I, heard that, I heard that two episodes in the Pete. I was like, I got to be next. <laughs> Yeah, those those are good ones, man. They, yeah, no, seriously though, thanks for coming on. I know you're uh, like so much is going on in the states right now, transitioning over, and you know, a, a lot of times, which I'm sure we'll get into um, with with the kids right now. So you cutting out a couple hours early in the morning on a Sunday, uh, super appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. So just as a scene setter, people that have listened to a bunch of the episodes here that they already know kind of how we know each other from my point of view, but I've I'd like to hear your point of view as to as, as to how we met, if you don't mind. Well, uh, so I was a uh, retraining. I was a mechanic at Goodfellow. I'm no a mechanic at Robbins Air Force Base. Didn't want to do it anymore, so decided to retrain. I went to the office. First thing on the list was Intel, quickest way out. So sure, sign up, do that. So I get to tech school, and I'm a prior student. I'm a a prior uh, prior student before, so they have us in different dorms. I feel like I'm on my own. I'm a senior airman, and I have one instructor, Paula. I have an instructor, Paula, and you walk into her class and just come in with this big personality, and I was like, mm, I don't know, but whatever. And I feel like either I said something or one of the other prior enlisted students said something. And you just had like a smart remark. And I was like, yikes. All right. I did, didn't think much about it, but you know, I, I read people. So I was like, nah. And then I don't know if you know this, but I got a staph infection while I was there, when I was a good fellow. So, and it was on my butt, like, like, like right on the side. So <laughs> the, like the weekend before, 
I went to the hospital, they lanced it, everything it was in terrible pain. So I'm in my class and you come in and you're doing like a co-instructing thing. And I think I asked, I had to skip PT or something. And I don't know, I felt like you didn't believe me about the staph infection. <laughs> and I was in so much pain. I had a fever of over hundred degrees. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I, I, I felt terrible. And that just was it for me. And I was like, I don't like this guy. Yeah. So I fast forward, I'm at Buckley Air Force Base and I'm sitting in the knock, the shop that I worked in and somebody's talking about you and that you're coming to Buckley. I was like, mm, mm. I was like, I really don't mess with him, but we'll see. Yeah. And we had a mutual friend, James, Chief Sabayas, a great guy and uh, somebody I still talk to, lean on to, lean on for advice. And he was your friend too. So probably a few weeks after that, uh, Chief's having a get together at his apartment and everybody's bringing their families. And I tell my wife at the time that, I hear you're gonna be there. And I tell my wife at the time that you're gonna be there. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I know me and like, like I'm not a person that's gonna give a pass, you know, to like, if, yeah. like, I'll go. If we got to go, I'll go. Like, I thought, I was like, tell my wife, we might get in a fight. We might, we'll see. So I was like, I'm not going to let everybody talk crazy to me outside of work. <laughs> so we get there and you're there. And some, all of a sudden, somebody's talking about movies and the movies come up. And we, you're huge into movies and I'm huge into movies. So I, I feel like I can't remember what movie it was. This, it was a conversation nobody else really knew. And you said something that was really insightful and witty. And it kind of made me look around the corner. And I was like, all right, okay. And then I felt like that kind of happened the whole night. And then we ended up talking about something. And then as I was leaving, I was like, man, you know, he's not that bad. You know, it, I, I kind of like him. So <clears throat> fast forward. I think there's a few more times where we end up hanging out in a group. And I just kind of find myself, you know, drawn to you. Like we're singled out, we're just talking, having great conversations. And then <clears throat> I can't even pick a specific date, but it just built and built from there. And all of a sudden we're hanging out at each other's apartments, you know, and I went through a divorce and like you end up being that guy I leaned on and you know, just running through ideas and talking about things. Like and we then you came to the knock when we worked together. So it just it just took off from there to one day we're just doing spontaneous road trips. I just remember like going through hard times and you always being there and us having some great, great nights. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why 2010 is right here. I see it. <laughs> that was that year. Um, I hadn't heard that perspective yet. That's super uh, interesting. It's a little embarrassing, right? But you've heard me talk about it before. Like, the kind of instructor that I was that first year of instructing versus the kind of instructor that you met at that point, I had already got so much feedback about like, you're too cool with these guys. Look at these, uh, look at these fees, feedbacks that you're getting. Like you're, you're, you're not being serious enough with them, this, that, and the other. And then I'm a smart ass. So <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. I mean, I don't know, to me, like my, my personality is easier to take if I can be cool with you too. <laughs> like, real hard to take if I'm not cool with you. Um, 
but yeah, it was, I mean, obviously it was the same thing for me. Long story short, uh, I was having the same conversation with my significant other at the time. I was just like, Ooh, might happen. And like, I think the same conversation at the end of that first night was just like a little bit upset. Like, I think I like him. Dang it. <laughs> and then, um, it just kind of evolved. There wasn't a clear point. Um, I remember that night because that was, that night was ended the most differently than any other interaction that we had, but every other interaction after that, it was just stronger and stronger till to this day. And then leaning on each other through hardships. I, I had hardships as well. And, um, just leaning on each other, having conversations as, uh, if I could narrow it down to anything, I, I would just say that we could relate to each other a little bit more than a lot of folks that are in our field. Yeah, I agree. So, so you speak of spontaneous trips. One of the spontaneous trips that we had was at the end of 2010, which again, was such a big year. And I felt so bad about how good that year was that I literally did 12, like 12 months of Lent <laughs> in 2011. <laughs> Cause it was so good. I, I gave something up every month uh, that next year in 2011. Cause I was like, if, if I don't balance this out somehow, cause 2010 was so, uh, so awesome. And you were a big part of that, but we went and we took the tattoo trip, our tattoo artist criminal. He all of a sudden was in California and we were in Denver and we were like, we need tattoos. We got to go to California and let's just drive. I remember sitting in the office talking about tattoos. I feel like maybe it was a maybe it was a Wednesday, a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and you know by the end of that day, and luckily we had some some downtime in that shop. You know you you got your work done, and then we had a pretty good group. I mean, obviously your wife Alexa was in there, and I was supervising her at the time. Yeah, he was. Um, so it's a Tuesday or Wednesday, and we're sitting there, and by the end of the day, we're going to get tattoos on Friday. Somehow we got to that point. So put in the leave request and just get on the road. Like kind of just figuring our way out. We're playing Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Listening to good music and just, I mean, we dropped into Mexico and we're going to stop in um, Tucson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We stop in Tucson, have a great karaoke night. So like, so you karaoke that night. Do you remember before the karaoke, us going out to that amazing to that bar? Yeah, it was like in the foothills of Tucson. It was beautiful, beautiful. Do you, so, so there were there were two critical things that happened on this trip. There's many things that happened on this trip, but two critical things that happened on this trip. The first uh, was was you getting there. There was some light sexual harassment. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah! You, so we're out there. We're ha we're having drinks. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Tucson night. Uh, just that perfect temperature, a little cool. Um, and we're standing. That's out. an oxymoron, usually. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Tucson. You're from Tucson, Arizona. Um, this guy walks up, looks you dead in the eye, and just asks you. If you're a professional athlete <laughs> and this was not abnormal like i'd been out with with i've been out with jr many times before and there have been many times out in denver where the reason we got into a spot was because you were cool with some of the professional athletes that were there in denver and you know at a glance uh here's somebody who you know I, 
look, I don't know everybody on the Broncos, probably on the Broncos. I don't know. <laughs> so um, this wasn't unusual to hear, and I'm sure it wasn't unusual for you to hear. So I was just like, oh, okay, this is one of these conversations. He probably thinks he recognizes you, but he didn't think he recognized you. He was complimenting you. And he asked you if you were a professional athlete and you were like, no, I'm not. And he just put his hand out to where it touched you on the torso and said, it's a waste of a body. <laughs> I was shocked. I just didn't, <laughs> I had a, a Jamie in my hand and I was. Uh... <laughs> what do you do? You just take the compliment. Yeah. <laughs> you take the compliment. Yeah. Keep it moving. Well, it's super funny because so later on in the trip, we're at Pacific Beach, San Diego, and we're at a bar and somebody bumps into me real hard and I'm holding a beer, bumps into me just like super hard to where I dropped the beer, which, you know, you usually got a pretty good grip on your beer. So it was a, it was, he just wasn't paying attention and he hit and immediately he's super apologetic. He's just like, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me go get you a drink. It's like, all right, cool. Do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember all of this story. <laughs> so he comes back. He comes back with the drink, hands me the drink. I'm like, thanks. And before I can think of anything else, just kisses me. <laughs> Do you remember us just standing there like? This, I was in disbelief. <laughs> it was like a big college bar. And I was like, this dude just kissed him. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I was telling the girls the story and I was like, I, I was kind of caught, like, it's weird. So here's one of the things that like, you don't really think about. So like, there's a difference. Like a lot of my life, there was a, there were moments where like somebody did something and you're like, I'm going to choose to fight this person. Like we're going to get into a fight, but there's many times in your life. Um, and I'm sure you've, you've had a lot of them because you're a bigger dude. But there's many times in your life where either you're bigger, you're stronger, or you're just way more skilled than the person that you're talking there's, about. There's no you're point. Not, you're not thinking. Yeah, it's absolutely. There's no point. You're not like, oh, I'm going to get into a fight. You have to decide whether or not you're going to beat this person up. And that's different than getting into a fight. And it, it's a, I don't know. Nobody ever like sits you down and talks to you about the difference. But I feel like if you if you have gone through some martial arts training or if you have done this or you had done that, like it's a very different thing. It's like challenging somebody to a debate in a language that they don't speak. And you're like, okay, cool. Like what was, what did you gain by winning that debate nothing. in Portuguese when that guy doesn't speak Portuguese? Like nothing, um, it doesn't prove anything. Um, you're not in danger, you know? And I was just like, I just, just kind of had to take that L. <laughs> But yeah, that night in Tucson, um, after the uh, Waste of a Body, uh, we had a great karaoke night, one of many great karaoke nights. And that was the first time that I saw you uh, karaoke Jesse's Girl. I know, I was going to say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a good trip, man. Real good trip. We made it to uh, San Dimas with the, the ghetto bird float flying around. They were chasing somebody, uh, the helicopter. And uh, got our tattoos. But before we, before that, we we pull up and he's not there, and there's all the guys in the yard lifting weights and just hanging out. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you remember before we got to California when we're right, when you like take a wrong turn and you're in Mexico? Like yeah. right before we got to California, cause we stopped off in New Mexico for a little bit too. Right before we got to California, um, there's a border control checkpoint. Do you remember this? Yeah. We go to the border control. <laughs> we go to the border control checkpoint and we look over next to us. Do you remember what that dude looked like? <laughs> he was driving a pickup truck with no shirt on and a cowboy hat. <laughs> Mexican dude <laughs> driving a work truck, the cowboy hat on and no shirt. <laughs> Do you remember what the... <laughs> Do you remember what the border control dude did, like, looking at him? Didn't even get to his car, pull over. He just sent him over, pull over. Get over here. Like, we're not even talking. Just move over here. We're checking all that. We visited Crenshaw. We, um... Roscoe's Chicken and Waffle. We had Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles right there. And uh, that's where we noticed that, like, everybody at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, it was like... Mexicans were here, black dudes were here. And we were the only like mixed table. <laughs> Everybody was looking over like it was a summit or something I'm like, wait, is that today? It was a fantastic trip. You don't take trips like that with people that you're not super comfortable with. And you don't take, you know, trips like that for, you know, days like that across the country without learning more about each other and learning more about yourselves. Like I had conversations there. Those were, that's the first, that trip was the first time that, we started talking about like how I really felt about this new thing with Alexa, you know, and she's cool. This, that, and the other. It's good times. I was always team Alexa. So enough about us. This show's about you. Can you describe for us what it was like growing up in your household? Well, my mom is uh, from the country of Oklahoma. She's black. I mean, she grew up in a small town. Uh, she moved to the big city, kind of big city, Oklahoma City. My mm -hmm. dad is from West Africa. He's from a country called Ghana. He's from the capital, Accra. Um, came to the United States in the 70s, but he grew up. My grandfather actually worked for the British Empire. He's a surveyor. Um, came in Ghana. I just met my grandmother. Um, I had my dad and all the siblings. My dad first came to the United States, came to New York in the late 70s, stayed in New York for a while. But before that, he was in Europe, you know, uh, London. And he told me this story, how he snuck into a, a Marvin Gaye concert. Like in, in Europe, it may, it may have been Germany or somewhere in the, in the 70s, just pretending he was like part of the road crew. But um, so then he, somehow he gets, he has a friend in Oklahoma. so. He goes to see his friend in Oklahoma, decides to stay for a little bit, enrolls in some classes, goes to the local community college and sees my mom. And it's kind of, that's it. There it is. How yeah. many siblings do you have? I have four. So, so he met my mom. She had uh, three kids already. And loved her, married her, and he had me, uh, little Sam. Everybody called me little Sam back then because he's mm -hmm. big Sam. And then my sister, Dinah, who's named after my grandmother, his mom. So what was it like growing up in that household? Uh, it was different. I, I didn't realize it was different until I got older. Um, you got to understand, like, he's from a country where everybody's Black. 
I mean, of course they have some white people, but for the most part, everybody, especially during that time, everybody's black. So he comes to the United States, you know, in the seventies, it's, it's, I imagine like it was a shock for him. Yeah. So, I mean, he tells me, you know, being early eighties, late seventies, and he, you know, he's in Oklahoma and he walks into bars and he has no idea that these are bars that he's not supposed to be in. Right. You know, he, he wasn't raised with those, those rules, those, you know, don't go here, don't go there, you know. So uh, looking back, he's got to be learning on the fly, you know, <laughs> even how to, <laughs> how to, how to be black in America, because mm-hmm. he doesn't see himself as that, as that, like as, he knows he's black, but it's not a necessarily a, it's a worldwide stigma. And, you know, Ghana was a British colony, but it wasn't in his day-to-day interactions. Mm-hmm. So he's learning that, you know, where he can go and where he can't go. And then I can imagine like learning and raising a son, you know, that's mm-hmm. like, there's things that I look back on. I'm like, it's gotta be hard, you know? And I don't know, just, and I've been to Ghana multiple times. It's way different. Like um, just how the interactions with cops and and the police force isn't, I mean, people aren't getting killed. Like they don't, there's not a ton of, despite what people think, there's not a ton of violent crimes. The cops are just right. real laid back. They're not, sure. they're not getting revenue by pulling people over and it's just a, it's totally different. Right. So, I mean, that's something he had to deal with. Uh, I mean, one day he was drinking a Perrier water on his way home from work and he got pulled over. <laughs> right. Because they said he was drinking a beer or something. Sure. You know, he's handcuffed. So those things he didn't grow up with. Um, he's in a bank robbery mm. in, in his 30s. Like, uh, he went to a bank and it got robbed. <laughs> right. <laughs> just random things. Yeah. So... For me growing up, it was just different. I, I don't know. Like I learned, actually, I have older brothers, I have two older brothers. So I also learned from watching them. And but he also gave me a sense of entitlement that we might not put into our kids sometimes because he didn't grow up with not feeling entitled or being told not to be entitled. Mm. And I feel like that really shaped me and how I am as a person how I act and I don't know, I feel like people can tell. Like if you, if you know that, if you know that about me and you see how I, how I grew up and then he's, he's a very proud person. Um, he's, he's entitled, not over entitled, but he doesn't lack, he doesn't fear. Um, sure. He's a fighter too. Like he's, he'll give you these hands still, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um, so like he just—I don't know. It was for me. It was great, and I, I grew up knowing, you know, where I came from. As you know, people come from us on a slave ship, and people wonder, like, you know, I have friends who can trace their lineage back to Germany in eighteen whatever, and most black people can't do that because the history was erased. Right. But with him, I can. And actually, with my mom's side too. Luckily, I can go back. I can. I've been to Ghana. I've seen where my grandfather grew up. You know, um, met tons of extended family. So, and but as a kid, I hid that part of myself because hmm. it was different. You know, it was different from other 
black kids in the neighborhood, black kids sure. at school, you know, you know, people try to mispronounce my name on purpose, my middle mm-hmm. name, or, you know, so it wasn't something that I became totally proud of probably until, I don't know, I was probably in my late teens. Wow. It was something I was always different, you know. Sure. You know, it's funny when you, um, when you bring up the word entitlement, that word is looked at very different now than it would have then then I see it when you explain it when I hear you say the word like that he felt entitled I think the rest of the sentences he felt entitled to the same things as everyone else and growing up minorities but particularly growing up black um the audacity of someone at that time to feel entitled to the same things as everyone else is probably had to be very jarring for him. And then to realize after the fact that, oh, I'm bringing a kid into the world in this country, which is very different than bringing a kid into the world of his home country, pluses and minuses, but just something that he just didn't have to think about. Yeah, so so these are things that I think about now as as an adult, like, like I said, his adjustment period, like he's probably, I mean, still adjusting. I mean, he's in his seventies. Right. So, I mean, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm Ghanaian. You know, I, I, I grew up in the culture, but like I said, it was something I, I kept separate. I, I still probably do on accident because I did it mm-hmm. my whole childhood, but it was something I always kept separate. Um, I try not to keep it separate from my kids. I, I want to take them soon because by their age, I'd already been a couple of times. Um, and just so I don't want that to die with me. I want, like, I take it for granted. Like my dad took, took us over and we got to meet family. I have that link. I don't want that link to die with me. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because this last time, the last time I was in the States, because the pandy, the last time I was in the States was at the um, the end of 2019 uh, over in Denver. We went to go, uh, I, I went oh, over yeah. there. To go, <laughs> I went over there to go catch a Misfits show. And I remember we were out one of the nights, I was only there two nights. Um, one of the nights that we were out, you ran into a guy uh, you hadn't met before, but he was speaking and very quickly you guys realized that he was from somewhere in West Africa as well. It wasn't Ghana, but there was a, there was a, a meal or a, or a national dish that, um, you know, a bunch Jollof of different people make a bunch of, yeah. So, so a bunch of different people will make, and you're like, who does this? Who, who well, well, hold on. It's better over here. Isn't it better over there? And that was just cool to see that, that back and forth between y'all all the way over in Denver. Right. And just have this back and forth about, um, you know, that, that good old, like, sibling rivalry, kind of, you know, sibling yeah. country rivalry. Okay. If you're listening and you're Nigerian, your jollof rice sucks. <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to get some letters. How old were you when you decided to join the military? What, 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 was, what was that decision point? Well, I, I was in college, honestly. Um, so 9-11 happened, and... I remember I was sitting on my girlfriend who became my wife later. I was sitting on her couch and the news coverage started. And 
I don't know. It just, I just wanted to, not necessarily, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm patriotic, maybe more than people think. I'm not overly patriotic either, but I, I've had a sense of patriotism and, and also I wanted to, to get away from Oklahoma. You know, I was going to Oklahoma State. I was getting ready to stop going after the semester. And I was just like, I, I didn't want to go home. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching 9-11 and probably a few days later, I go to the recruiter's office. I look up the recruiter closest to my parents' house. Tech Sergeant Childs was his name. Um, I, I can't believe I remember that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, go, I go in and he's giving me the spiel, which I, I, but I didn't need the spiel. You know, I, I took the ASVAB. Um, I was like, let's go. Yeah. So at that time, they were giving a bonus to join the military. So the uh, the line to go was long. Like he's like, uh, <laughs> I can't remember what date it was, but it was like you're gonna leave in four months, four or five months. I was like, I mean, I hope you can hold on to me for four or five months. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, we'll see. So I I tell my girlfriend at the time, Adrienne. I tell my parents, you know, this is what I've done, and but you know, we got some time. I get a call two weeks later. Somebody drops out. He's like, you ready? I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> so, yeah, from the time I went into the recruiter's office, probably about two weeks, I was on a, and I was afraid of, I was afraid to fly back then too. <laughs> wow. Like it, just, it gave me anxiety. So I, I remember they take us to the MEP station, then we get all checked in, they go to the hotel, mm-hmm. then they put us on the plane in Oklahoma City. And I mean, San Antonio. Different. Wow. Way so, different. I was just struggling. Like, um, I was there for the wrong reasons. I feel like people go to college just to get out of the house. Like, and I'm all for getting out of the house, but mm-hmm. I think kids should figure out what they want to do first and then focus towards that. Whether it's college, whether it's whether you need college to get there, whatever it is. You know, I'm not. I'm not forcing my kids to go to college, but I, I just want them to work hard. And I feel like if you work hard and you what you're doing, you're doing it truly for yourself, and just you'll get to where you want to be. So, I like if you're not good at history or math or whatever, give it your best. I don't expect you to get a hundred if I know you're not good at it, but just give it your best. If you're giving your best, then it should work out. And if not, then I mean, I'm there along the way to help you out. So you mentioned your girlfriend at the time. Your girlfriend becomes your wife. How old are you when you become a father? 25. Can you talk about that? So 25 years old, older than I was, but I'm Hispanic and I got a legacy to yeah. uphold. Um, 25 is still a kid to me. Now looking back, like. Oh, my God. 25 is definitely still a kid. I talk to the girls all the time because it's like this human biology. Yeah. Right, that tells you that you like. Slow down. Tell, I'm telling my kids, slow down, man. It tells you that you, uh, you got to hate your parents when you're in your teens because used to be you'd be out on your own already, right? So why am I? Why am I in your house listening to your rules, right? And then you got to have a kid, right? Because life life expectancy is what it is at that time. So I feel like you kind of have to work against your biology to have kids later. And 25, um, tw- having a kid at 25 where I'm from is like a success story. <laughs> like, oh, cool. You, wow, you, you really made it. 
um, when realistically 25 is young. There's so much that you didn't know. Right. And I think, you know, I've been a, I I got married, you know, she was a, a GS employee. I was a staff, you know, we had, we had, we we're making good money. So, mm-hmm. you know, have a kid. I guess for some people it's a switch when they become a father and things are so different for some people. It's just like these gradual changes. And one day you wake up and you're like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. My dad, how was it for no. you? I was, it was probably gradual. I'm sure there's like, obviously, you know, knowing you're responsible for somebody else. And like, if you're a responsible human being, you're going to do the right thing. But parenting was gradual. I feel like, um, I don't know. I remember bringing her home from the hospital and just kind of just sitting on the couch with her and then just taking it a day at a time, you know? Yeah. Now she's about to turn 16. Oh man, these girls are hard. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't understand teen angst, but I try not to, I just gotta not take it personal. For sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had it too. I talked about this with um, with Pete a little bit. It's tough. Like I had a cool dad, you know, and I still acted out. Like, and I, I think I'm a cool dad, but you still get you you still get it, you know. Yeah. It just happens. It's it's evolution. It's evolution to be upset at you know everything, you know, and just like I didn't even ask to be here, and I hate it here. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like that that hashtag says what we're all thinking when we're in our teens that hashtag i hate it here pretty much and i tell her tell the two oldest but he's basically a teen and i tell him like you know don't let what's happening today impact you later on down the road taking the day i promise taking the day at a time Mm -hmm. like don't let something get you so caught up right now but i promise you it's it's minuscule in the grand scheme of things. Like you can come back from anything, just about. I mean, but like don't, whether it's you losing friends or you know, not fitting in or whatever it is, like don't let that shape your life. Don't let don't let this person have an effect on you yeah. to where it affects you when you're in your 30s and 40s. There's so much, there's so much in that, right? Like when you when you hear a baby like crying because they lost something or something got taken away from them it's because that's the worst thing that's ever happened to them in their life so like it's very difficult to tell a kid like you're right when you tell them like this is not a big deal but to them they're like what are you talking about it gets worse yeah cuz this is the worst <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst thing that could happen for sure um yeah that's that's tough man having having kids though it opens up your it opens up your eyes so much to the world and looking around at um, just everything that's happened. Is, like, so we just did this, um, the SECDEF instituted a stand down day for extremism. And we just did it this past week. So we all had to stand down and stand by um, <laughs> about, uh, about extremism because, you know, we were, extremely overrepresented at the insurrection day, you know, military members were just out there. And we had these conversations and it was great. Um, the person who ran my group, I'll be very vague so as to uh, to hide their identity, but um, they grew up 
in parts of the Middle East, but also they, they come from an African country. And they also, they, they came to the United States in their late teens. And all of a sudden was just like, oh, it's, oh, it's pretty bad here. Like racism is real bad and got it from all fronts, right? Got the racism from the people that were in their area, but then also got it from other black people that were like, you don't even know what the struggle is. Like you, yeah, you, you, you don't even know how it is. Like, how could you not know this? And why do you not know this? And it's like, well, cause, cause I'm not American. So I don't know <laughs> like this American history that you're talking about, but it was very interesting to hear them tell their story. And it was like, man, like there's really all, it really takes all kinds, you know, to, to, to make the military move, but people have all these different backgrounds. People are experiencing all these things. And all I could do is think about, you know, my kids' experiences. And I knew that I was having you on, you know, this weekend. And I know that we've talked in the past about like just how different it is to raise your kids so we always knew, you always knew, I always knew that we lived in a racist society and we lived in a society full of prejudice. Nothing is new about that. But the, the amount to which people have been emboldened to say these things over these past couple of years has made it, it used to be that it was like a conversation you could have at the end of the night, as you're tucking your kid in, just a reminder about things. And now it's like, no, 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 we got to talk to this in broad daylight. Like there's some things you got to know. How has, how has it been for you bringing your kids up and having these conversations with them as you see everything kind of unfold and so much that was, that was there, but was in the dark come to light? Well, I, I feel like, and this is for any parent, and it doesn't matter your race, there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of highly educated people. It isn't, if you don't like to read, there's, I mean, there's videos, there's different things, like don't, don't exist in your echo chamber. You can, don't, don't depend on a minority to answer questions. They might be as lost as you. You can, you can do your own research. Google is out there. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I, I, but I read books all the time. I, something. My, like I said, my dad didn't know. So, so there's things that I faced that were, weren't common nature to him. So if I, if I felt like, you know, I didn't get picked for the basketball team because of X, Y, Z, you'd just be like, you gotta work harder. Like, mm. cause he didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I'm very vigilant, vigilant for my kids. Um, anything microaggressions, anything. I'm constantly explaining why you can't do this, why you can't do that. I didn't let my daughter have social media. She still really doesn't use it because we were always like, no, because of the microaggressions of TikTok, Instagram. I mean, it's racist. I don't know how else to, to put it because you see like, if you go to your Explorer page, or you things that are highlighted are always white women and she's a, a woman of color my daughter so it's especially hard for her um 
you see straight hair, you see beauty standards. And that is what people aspire to. And if you look at the most followed people on TikTok or Instagram or what they promote or what they put on the Explorer page, it's mostly not a woman of color. Mm. And they see this. And this is why like, I'm always, if somebody's like, if my daughter straightens her hair, if either of them, then there are people like, oh, you look so pretty today. She looks pretty all the time. Like, mm. don't, just because her hair's straight now, I mean, she's closer to like, white hair, doesn't make her that she's better looking. Yeah. So there's things like that. And I'm constantly like, so if somebody says that to them, and I, I'll say it to them later, like, this is why they said that. And it's, they're not being mean, but this is what this is what they're saying. It's what they actually mean. And right. how to how to talk to people that say that to you and let them politely know that thank you. You know, my hair is also beautiful, natural, or whatever, whatever it may be. But you know, though for my daughters, that's been the hardest thing is beauty standards. Because men don't necessarily have to deal with beauty standards, but they have to deal with beauty standards. So I constantly want to boost them up and let them know like not to be down about yourself if your hair is not straight or if you're not stick thin and or whatever it may be um and of course with my sons we have the same conversations but different and with all of them i talk about you know what to do about being pulled over by police or you know how to always say like you know you got to throw somebody a bone you know i feel like you had that supervisor when you were in the military who was white and you had to walk the line and you got to, you got to throw him a bone. Like mm. I, and I tell my kids that, you know, in class, you might have a teacher who has biases, you know, that they don't know. And sometimes you got to throw him a bone. And mm. like, like there's no way to get around it almost like, and you got to pick and choose your spots and let me do the arguing and let me do the, you know, puffing my chest out, but you don't do that. Like sometimes you got to, play the game a little bit, but not too much where you're losing yourself or you're, you're feeling disrespected. And as soon as you feel that way, come to me and I will come to back for you. I mean, we've had, I mean, my daughter's been called a nigger in school on multiple occasions. And they, she lives in Arkansas and I've had to fly out there. We've had to meet with superintendents. I mean, and, and every time it's a, well, I know their parents, it's not like that. It's things like that. Like that people don't see that we deal with on a daily basis. So I'm constantly having hard conversations, but I don't want to make it to where I relate it to things that are happening today, or I don't wait to the big things like, you know, you know, when George Floyd was killed, we talk about that and we talk about those killings, but we speak on a daily basis about things. And my daughter probably hates it because her mom and I are on the same page where, you know, like you can't do that or you can't say that or, you know, why do you want the white doll? Well, tell me why you don't want the black doll or whatever when she was growing mm. up. And I'm sure she's probably tired of that kind of stuff. But sure. I feel like in the end, she's going to be better for it. Yeah. Man, there's so much in there. So you mentioned the social media and you mentioned the hair and you mentioned the standards. Like I had to make a conscious effort and the girls have probably noticed this, but like I made a conscious effort a while back to scale back and just even stop saying like you're so beautiful which is hard because like literally today right then uh alexa like they're putting up easter decorations 
and they're in the window putting up Easter decorations and they're striking. You know, they're, they're all beautiful young women, a beautiful woman. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, there's nothing wrong with saying it. And I will say it from time to time, but it's like, your worth isn't like that you're beautiful today. You're beautiful every yeah. day. Yeah. So like bringing, bringing mm -hmm. that to light and then, um, you know, the conversations about, I don't know, that stuff is just, that stuff is just super difficult for me to kind of wrap my head around because I'm not used to that. Like I, I grew up and it's like, you, you compliment a woman when she looks good. And, and that's a, that's a remnant of a time that has passed and you are absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. Like guys don't have to go through that. Like we, it's, it's evidenced by the fact that we don't wear makeup. You know, we don't, we don't, there's a lot of things that we don't do. We, we just, it's, it's different for us. And we don't know what we're feeding into when we say these things. Um, it's very easy for someone to hear the term microaggression and be like, what is that? Um, because it's easy to not learn. But these little things, saying things like that, they reinforce negative stereotypes that really do chip away at someone's psyche. So no, it's not as bad as the other things is calling somebody a racial slur. It's just on the spectrum though. And you just have to yeah. be conscious about it. And she would get so mad, like, because we wouldn't let her straighten her hair. First of all, straightening hair all the time is bad for your hair. Damaged it. But anyway, she would just, I, I knew why she wanted to straighten it. Like, she just wanted to fit in more. She wanted people to to think, because when she straightened her hair, she got more compliments, you know, and she wanted to fit in more. And I just, mm -hmm. it was tough saying no, but it was for the future. This is a loaded question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you have like a favorite fatherhood memory? Hmm. I would think it's got to be with my daughter because um, she's, I don't know, yeah, a lot of angst. And so mm -hmm. she doesn't like, we talk, obviously we talk, but she won't lean on me for stuff like as much as I was your mom. But when she does, like it, it really touches me. Mm. Um, so I, whenever I'm there, I I've been teaching her how to drive. So the, like, I think the first time her and I went on a driving lesson was uh, last summer. And her just, I don't know, just the organic conversations and her just being relaxed. And it's just us one-on-one -on -one time. I just, for some reason it just, it sticks out to me constantly. I just gave her another driving lesson. Um, I'm getting ready to get her a car. So, I just that that really sticks out to me like giving her a first driving lesson just like a quintessential father daughter day yeah, yeah yeah for sure that's cool so let's bring this mood down let's bring this mood way down um i know you gotta have one um what's your least favorite fatherhood moment so, so divorce was hard for me you know like um I cared about her. I mean, I, I still do, but we weren't right for each other. But we had kids. So, I mean, that, for me, that kept me, I didn't hate her. So it kept kept me going, you know, yo-yoing for, for a little bit. But so we finally decided to get divorced. And at the time, uh, I took Sam and Mariah with me 
and moved to South Dakota at PCS and they were living with me. So during that time, um, she decided to move home. So we had a custody battle out of Colorado. And in the end, they said, uh, as a single parent in the military, that it would they would be worse off with me. And so she got to, they, she took the kids and she moved to Arkansas. So that was like the bottom for me. And I think, I, well, I know that, I mean, from there, my military career, like, spiraled as far as like it, it wasn't as important and if that probably didn't happen i'd probably still be in the military right now hmm. i mean if, honestly um it's good and bad but i mean i'm thankful for how my life has turned out but i'd probably still be in the military if that hadn't happened that one singular moment just because all of a sudden the military became a barrier to me being a father yeah you know you know, leave time or, and it was already tough as a, as a single parent, but just, you know, it became a, an obstacle and, you know, it just, I don't know. It was, it was really hard. Um, and then you go through a point of time where you're like, you're trying to figure out how to be a father from long distance. So what's the right amount of time to, to call when you're not calling, you don't talk for two weeks, you know, are you like going to fucking never talk, are going to never talk to you again? You know, like, it's just, it, you know, getting on a schedule and then, you know, knowing that they have lives too. So then it'd be okay if they don't want to talk, you know, if they, you know, if they're seven and eight and they don't want to talk and they have a short attention span, it's not about you. And just trying to be steadfast in being a father long distance. And it was, it was hard, man. Like I said, it, it took a toll on me. We lived, we lived pretty close to each other at that time. I remember that day. That was a, that was awful. Um, and obviously it's a bad decision, but uh, fathers get the short end of the stick in the American justice system when it comes to parents and kids, 100%. That's, that's just all there is to it. You touched on something really good there or really important, which is it's not your fault. Like if there's, if you're having a conversation and, and they don't want to talk or it's shorter than you want it to, or, or, or you know, for whatever reason, it's just not your fault. Um, that is hard to realize in the moment though. Even now, like in the, the teens. So like I, I just texted this morning, I'll text, Hey, love you. Hope you know, have a good weekend, whatever. And I might get a response three days later. Like, yeah. <laughs> So like the girls here, right? Um, we had an issue this past week and I had to go to the school to go make sure that this teacher uh, took his medicine. And when I was there, um, the assistant principal who knows the girls, right? She remarked afterwards, she was like, your daughters just light up when you're in the room, like something I haven't seen. And I was like, you know, by that time, I've heard that from other people before. So I'm like, oh, thank you for saying that, you know, this, that, and the other. We have a really good relationship. All that being said, that's not how I felt a year ago, texting my same daughter, right? And not hearing back. And it's just, it just happens sometimes. I'm guilty of it with my mom, when my mom texts or when my dad texts, like I'm guilty of it too, still as an adult. Now I... I'm not waiting three days, you know, but like, yeah. 
but kids do kids absolutely do or you have to like talk to the other one and be like hey can you can you get her to right respond to me? yeah like what's going on here and it just it's just a thing that happens now and it's hard not to not to take that to heart yeah i i, I also like in my mind i'm like i'm paying your cell phone bill like you get this <laughs> better get this text right yeah. <laughs> I take my son phone shot off in three, two. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, weird. Oh, you're there. Uh, yeah. Oh, super. Turn the media seats off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. How I got a question. I mean, I haven't. I've haven't dated super seriously since I've been divorced. Only a couple of times, but you know, I'm nervous about merging like being a parent with also you know dating somebody and bringing them into you know my life and that part of my life and the kids life and I'm just curious how your transition was with Alexa and and how do you um still make sure like Alexa's needs are met you know you how do you balance that man that's a good question I think I'd I do a better job of it now. I don't do a, I still don't do a great job of it. Um, I do a better job of it now. I used to do a really bad job of it. When I first met Alexa, the way that the girls knew Alexa was as my friend, you know, and truthfully so, like when the, when the girls first, first met her, she, we weren't dating. We were hanging out. We really liked each other's company, but we weren't dating. We weren't exclusive. So it was definitely way too soon for any of that. The, the girls had known her as, you know, my friend who came over occasionally and hung out with us and watched TV with us um, for at least two years before I was like, hey, I'm, I'm dating Alexa. And this is someone that, you know, um, is going to be in our, is going to be in our life. And that's, of course, a sharp contrast. I don't know if you've gone through this, but I've gone through this. Um, you know, my ex was dating a guy, and this is within probably a year and a half to two years of us being divorced. She was dating a guy for three months and calls me as like, hey, I don't want the girls to necessarily be confused. And I was wondering if they can call uh, Anthony dad. <laughs> and I was like, well, for sure, no. <laughs> they have a dad. Like they're not no, gonna call. I, I, <laughs> I haven't run into anything like that. Thank God. Good for you. I have, and I was like, "You've known this dude for three months. You got to be kidding me." What it did spur is a conversation between me and this dude, and I was like, "Hey, I just had a weird conversation. Um, they're not calling you dad." And he's like, yeah, absolutely not. No, 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 I, I, I wouldn't want that. And I was like, all right, cool. So we're on the same page. Now that I, we've had that conversation, I realize you're probably going to be uh, in her life um, and in my, in my daughter's life. I'm going to let you know some things. And I told him straight up, I was like, there's going to be some bad decisions that are being made over there. You're responsible. And I told him, I was like, I hold you responsible for my daughter's well-being when they're with you. And two months later, this dude calls me in the middle of the night and he's like, hey, 
I got into a fight with her. Um, we're at my parents' house and we had been drinking and she wanted to leave and she was packing the girls up and wanted to go back to um, San Antonio. And this was around Houston. And I took the keys and I'm not letting her leave. But so if she says that I'm doing this or I'm doing that, I'm only doing it because we had the conversation and like, I don't want her to get in the car with the girls. And I was like, you did the right thing, you know, um, thank you. And I'm so glad that I had that conversation with him um, because I said a lot of things. I was like, hey, I got a lot of family and friends in San Antonio. And um, we, had that, we had that conversation. Now he was an absolute piece of garbage, ended up that he actually had a wife and a family that he hadn't told her about. And this was the dude that was supposed to be dad, right? Uh, dad part two. But anyway, it did spur that conversation. I will say that at least that crazy decision to like, let's confuse the hell out of the kids and have them call this dude we just met, dad, like, who's got a hide a key family. <laughs> but it did spur that conversation that ultimately, at, at least, you know, the way that he tells it was, was um, kept the kids safe that night, you know. But it was very important for me to never have the girls um, around somebody that wasn't, you know, a serious thing. So once I knew that it was gonna be a serious thing, that's where we were, but it's weird. I find it hard not to think that I unwittingly, like Alexa found herself in a very different situation gradually than she started. We had this conversation before as single guys you know, recently divorced guys with children who were out on the town and just remarking about how like, it was not a, it wasn't a showstopper. It wasn't a deal stopper. It was like, oh, cool. looks like you can handle responsibility. Okay. Like it, it wasn't the detractor that it used to be back in the day. Yeah. But I think a big part of that was they're like, yeah, I mean, he has kids, but not, he doesn't have kids with him. Yeah. You know, his baby mama has kids. I mean, okay. So he, you know, takes them out to ice cream or, or this or that, or in my case, had them for the summers because we were so far apart. Um, to move from that to where like, no, they're visiting more often. One of them lives with us full time. Both of us live with us full time. It's like mission creep. <laughs> like, it's like, hold on. <laughs> okay, now this. Okay, now this. And um, that happened so gradually. Alexa loves these girls. She'd do anything for them. Um, she'll sign an extra four years of commitment, you know, to help them out with college. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's, yeah. she'll do anything for them. But man, are my girls like me. And man, must it be incredibly tough to be sitting in a living room with three of me versus one of you, versus one of you in a conversation and who's gonna, you know, in picking food and picking what's gonna be on the TV, you know what I mean? So I'm more conscious about it now, but um, I, I'm nowhere near perfect about it. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. It's, it, it's a incredible thing 
to step into that type of relationship and love somebody enough um, to where you, you're open to falling in love with their kids too. And um, it's something you can't play with from the kid's perspective as well. Like that was always super important to me to make sure that um, they didn't meet, you know, 15, 20 yeah. girls. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah. It's not, I'm not in the same boat pretty much. I mean, never really met anybody. I mean, so it's That's just, wild. I don't know. Yeah. It's about that time for a bathroom break. Could you use a bathroom break, Sam? I could love a bathroom break. All right. Let's get out of here. Go ahead and listen to these fools. What are we talking about today? What we do? Oh, we got the senior, the senior yearbook photos. Yep, we took those. How how do you think they came out? Uh, they came out better than I thought they would. Mm, yeah, I because I thought that my face looked so round in it whenever he showed it to me, but I was like, okay, like I said that it was all right to to keep. But the whole yearbook thing was a hassle, anyways. So, but they didn't come out that bad. And then the guy, he took a picture of us together. So, um, yeah, we saw those two. Daddy posted them. So if you're, if you don't know what we're talking about, he posted them on the Instagram. So go look at it. Yep. Uh, I didn't, they, uh, the guy that was taking the photos didn't show me my photo. So I didn't even know what I looked like, but. He showed me mine. I know that my hair was like really like frizzy, not frizzy like um, there was like a lot of flyaways and it because I think it rained that day, and I didn't like cover my hair or anything. Yeah, my cap is crooked. Yeah, and like they spent so much time on my cap to make sure mm -hmm. that it was right, and they couldn't even fix that it was crooked. <laughs> like they just wanted to make sure there's no bubbles in it. Yeah, but I know a lot of people's caps are gonna be crooked because their hair is very um big, like. Yeah, so a lot yeah. of his hair is like very big, so their cap doesn't fit their head even. So you know, it's just gonna be on their hair. Yeah. Um, so you, you you know that people are gonna have crooked caps, or at least in the pictures. So we get that. So not too not too bad though. They didn't come out that bad. What's happening this weekend, Medea? Oh, um, Ethan's coming over. You're not excited? Yes, I'm excited. Okay. He's coming over on Saturday. Um, Daddy, he had actually met Ethan. When did he meet him? What day was it? Monday, Tuesday, Monday? I think it was Monday. Daddy had it was Monday, Ethan. yeah. He had talked to him before. I don't, I don't remember if we really talked about it, but me and Daddy, we went to the BX. Um, I got my user license. Like I had to like get that all situated. So we went to the BX and we were gonna get milkshakes. And at that time, Daddy was asking me if I liked anybody, and I was like, I was like, yeah, because he he knew who I was talking about, and I was like, it's this one guy's brother, and I, he was like, oh really? And I was like, does he know you? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. And then so we walk out and we go to the parking lot, and I see like, uh, their truck that they you know that their uh, that his stepdad has, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder if that's him. And I see him get out. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, that's him. And like that, that, so it was Ethan and I had never talked to him before. I always kind of just like um, stalked him. And so um, I told him, I was like, daddy, that's Ethan right there. And so then he was like, where? And I was like pointing and then daddy was like, hey, Ethan. And he yells it super loud, like the loudest you can ever yell at somebody. And he's just waving at him. And so uh, Ethan waved because Ethan's just gonna wave even if he doesn't know. <laughs> And so they, uh, so yeah, that was the, like the first time they'd seen each other, but they had like officially met uh, Monday. And, and they, they talked? Were talking. Yeah, they <clears throat> talked. And um, uh, he had asked Ethan whenever, Daddy had asked Ethan when he was going to come over and he had like his little nervous laugh. And then um, he was, <laughs> and so uh, he was just like, yeah, he, that he could come over anytime that he would make it work. So he's going to come over on Saturday. Um, we don't know what time yet. And I wonder if he's going to be on the pod. <laughs> Do you think yeah. he is? I don't know. Well, that's not, maybe. <clears throat> he'll find out that's the day of. Yeah, he'll find out the day of. But he actually listens to the podcast, too. Who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, so that happened. So he'll be coming over on Saturday for the first time. And we're going to watch a movie. I don't, I don't know if Daddy picked a movie yet. But I know that we're going to watch a movie for sure. Um, another glassman up in the household. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bring it cut that out, <laughs> Daddy. Cut it out. So, as y'all know, in the last podcast, if y'all listened, uh, there was a whole thing with one of my teachers, my one of my teachers, and there was like an altercation we had, and so Daddy had to email people, and then he had to like try to talk to the teacher who I had an altercation with and it was so weird this week was kind of so weird about it because whenever he emailed whenever daddy emailed him he had said that he didn't physically touch me at all which was like what the heck <laughs> like whenever I, figured, I was like how is how is he gonna lie about that and it's kind of something it's not little but like it's not even that huge of a deal so like what else would he lie about that happened that was yeah just like brain. that's a weird thing to lie about because it's because so little it, and then you're happened. not like credible <laughs> later yeah it's just like why would you even say that that didn't happen and it was so weird and so they had to so my daddy he was like well we're obviously gonna have to have a meeting now because <laughs> you know that reason and so yeah um and then, so yeah, so daddy had told me that I didn't have to talk to my teacher unless he was there. And he told me not to talk to administration unless he was there. Like there, was, there wasn't a need for me to talk to them. And so I don't remember which day it was. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday that daddy had, that we had a meeting, but I didn't know about it. It was very last minute. And so when the administration came, one of the admins came up to me and that was that same day that daddy told me I didn't have to talk to anybody. And so I was like, Oh, geez. Now I like, I kind of just kept walking when she came up to us, right? Mindy? Yeah. Cause she was asking who's fix. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm not doing this right now. And it was at the yeah. end of lunch. And so she's like, who's fix? And I kind of kept walking. And then she was, she was like, fix, like, she kind of gave me like this weird look. And um, I was like, yeah. And she was like, and she started talking. And I was like, um, my dad said that there's no really, like, there's not really a need for us to talk unless he's here. So I don't, you know, we don't really have to talk right now. 
and he was like, okay, I get that. And then she kept talking. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you right now. And she was just like, I get that. Let me talk. And I said, is he here? <laughs> He's not here. <laughs> like, what the we're, heck? Not gonna, we're not going to talk. <laughs> like, she kept trying. And she's like, okay, let me tell you this. We have a meeting. And I was like, is he, is my dad going to be there? And she's like, yes. I was like, okay, start off kind of with that. If you hear me constantly saying, I don't, I'm not going to talk with you unless he's right here, unless he's next to me. Yeah. You know? And so she was kind of just, ugh. so she got frustrated with that. But then we had a meeting like the end of, at the, like the very end of the school day at three. And so I asked her how long it was going to be because I had softball practice. She's like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, okay, meeting at three, you're telling me like two hours before, and so I was like, okay, and um, so then we had the meeting, and then they asked me about it, they said, what's your goal, like, what was your goal for this, and then daddy answered, and I was just, like, the whole time they were talking, I was writing down a statement, they had asked me to write down a statement. And they asked me if there was any witnesses. And of course, Ethan was there. Um, so they wrote his name down. And then that was pretty much it. Then I went back to practice. And then it was Thursday, I think. Yeah, Thursday. They had talked to Ethan after, no, uh, like around like 30 minutes before school ended and got his side of the story. And then that same day, Ethan said he had saw uh, my teacher uh, talking with the admin. So that happened, but we talked about it and they got a statement and stuff. So looks like it's pretty scored away, I think, but that's really, that's really what happened. That's what happened this week, at least. Yeah. So it's pretty eventful. I just thought it was so weird how we said it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's what do you mean it didn't happen? <laughs> so we got out. When was that? Whenever daddy had, was playing that song from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> It was like Thursday, Friday, Thursday. Yeah, I think it was Thursday because it was really yeah. windy that day and we were running out to the car and Ethan was coming with us, but he wanted to make sure his hair didn't look bad when he saw daddy. So he was just holding his hair as he was running. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Oh my goodness. So yeah, and then we ran up and then you can hear that the music's like really loud. And the Medea, like the trunk opens so we can put our softball stuff in the back. And then you just hear Pitch Perfect, <laughs> um, them singing Party in the USA. And so it was so funny. Yeah, and I had Medea asked. was just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I asked. I said, Daddy, what are you listening to? And then Ethan just started laughing. <laughs> he was laughing so much. <laughs> and so he like, he Daddy had rolled down the windows and turned it up super loud. And it was so funny. And we just, we, me and Medea kept laughing, and then whenever Ethan left, he had just turned back and just kept laughing. Yeah. It was pretty funny, and then he had texted me, he, like, sent me a screenshot that he was listening to Party in the USA. <laughs> um, it was so funny, but yeah. Um, we had tried, what did we try? We tried the, uh. We tried the Bang energy drinks. Yeah. The, we've had them before, but we tried certain flavors to, uh, Yesterday, we got uh, mm -hmm. Star Blast, which is Ethan's favorite flavor, and then we got Pina Colada. Yeah. The Pina Colada one tastes just like a Pina Colada. Yeah. Yeah. So, Medea got Ethan's favorite, and I got the Pina Colada. Mm -hmm. But I don't really like Pina Colada. Medea likes it. 
And I don't so like Ethan. Fix like Ethan. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we kind of switched it up on there. But well, we both tried it. The Star Blast was really good. Medea's stomach started hurting after it. And then I had the pina colada. And my stomach started hurting after it. And I don't think I should be having energy drinks like that. Well, because you, know? you, we went, the, our stomachs hurts because we were drinking them too fast. Uh, because they taste good. Like we like how they taste. Yeah. So we're just like gulping them. And you shouldn't be gulping yeah. them. So. Yeah, we that's our dilemma. Energy yeah. drinks. <laughs> Energy drinks are a dilemma in themselves, yeah. but there are now too. Yep. Um, but they didn't taste bad. I thought they tasted pretty good. The bangs are really yeah. good. Yeah. I like the sugar-free Red Bull. I don't it remember. Really good. It didn't make my stomach hurt. I think I like you didn't have you didn't have it the same night I had it though. Yeah. I don't remember regular. But the sugar-free one was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Alexa, she had made breakfast this morning. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was oh she my made, gosh. She made like eggs. Um, and then she made like the sausage and a meat and biscuits and gravy. And it was so good. Like it was yeah. sandwiches. It was we cut made, up like, sausage. Yeah. And then like a whole so- sausage. Not a whole sausage. Like a whole like sausage. Like a sausage patty. Patty. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so good. <laughs> Ew, what was that? That was me burping up the That sounded like a monster. <laughs> it kept going. Anywho, it was so good. It was really good. After that, or while we were eating it, we were watching a documentary about Dylan Farrow and Mia, uh, Mia Farrow. Oh, uh, Woody yeah. Allen, Sunni. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole family. It was it called? It's called Allen versus Farrah. Farrah. Yeah. So that's what we were watching while we were eating our little breakfast. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. And then we stayed right. watching it. We finished it. Yeah. We finished it today. Like, we literally just finished it. And then we did Easter decorations. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, Daddy probably posted pictures already. Um, but you probably won't hear it. You probably won't hear about it until you're probably gonna see the pictures before. Before bathroom talk. Us. Just know it happened now, like not even thirty minutes ago. Anywho's, let's talk about softball. So I yes. know in the last podcast I had talked about not wanting to go, but this week it was so much fun. Yeah, like the girls are really nice so mm-hmm. far. And everyone really likes each other right now. And we all have a really good energy all together. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very supportive one. And yeah. I have never seen a team be so adaptable and nice to underclassmen. Yeah. Like ever. Like it's always like underclassmen do your thing. Unless you're like a captain or something, you're not nice to the underclassmen. Yeah. Like that's how it's always been. But like everyone's really nice to underclassmen this year. We all know each other's names we all call each other by each other's names you know we're always very like um just very like appreciative too yeah and it's just it's really nice this year it's not like hard it's not really anything and we're like everyone's practicing you know and there's like a pretty solid group of people like at least of 11 people I think Mm -hmm. that show up every day yeah so it's really nice um everyone's really nice um we have like more underclassmen than we do upperclassmen, I think. And definitely. 
that really I think that's like why like overall we're so nice because like there's no like egos that we have to like deal with every day because they're you know they're they're new to the team and so they're just like a little shy at first but then the upperclassmen we're all nice to them and um even if they're very new we still hype them up no matter what and so I think they're like okay and then so that you kind of get into a certain mood like oh yeah we're ready like to party (laughs) so yeah it's really fun. It was a, it's a lot more fun than we thought it would be. It's really yeah. fun. I, I didn't think it was going to be as great, but the first day, like when we met in the classroom, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. So I was really excited and it's been a good week. Yeah. Um, and everybody like, I feel has the same feelings of like, with like, they need this, like they need this to do after school. Cause like on the first day when we were, we had our meeting, um, everybody was like the coaches they were saying how like if it rains you know or if it's snowing then we'll cancel practice and we'll we'll think of something else to do like clean out the shed or whatever and then uh one of the um uh players are like okay if we cancel like on a day and we like have nothing to do can we just like stay here and like talk to each other (laughs) like it was like Like really everyone yeah yeah everyone just wanted something else to do after school than like rather than go home yeah you know it's like it's just another little outlet to have Mm -hmm. that's like not a job you know and it's something fun that they wanted to do Mm -hmm. so it's pretty cool everyone's really nice and then on friday they announced who the captains were (laughs) yeah it was thursday (laughs) oh my bad (laughs) thursday (laughs) they announced who the captains were and it's four captains this year. Mm-hmm. There are all seniors. And Medea's one of them! I've been trying for like a year. Yeah, Medea's been trying for like a year. But anyway. Finally got but, the big kahuna. Yeah, the story with that is the coach, he had give us, like, he gave us sticky notes. And he's like, write two names down that you think would be captain that you would want as captain but this was in the beginning of the week so that's yeah. a little problematic um but not really but just a little bit and so um because i think it's only like a little weird because i mean you you only know someone for a week they could be faking it <laughs> yeah you know, they could be faking being nice but also it's not that bad because there are people that are going to be coming up to you and it's going to stay that way you know and if you see that in the first week, that's good. Mm-hmm. But also, it couldn't stay that way. So that's why it's bad. Um, but yeah, I had wrote down one girl's name um, who's just a good speaker. And she's been a captain before, and she's proven to be a good leader. Yeah, she's a good leader. And then I also picked Medea. Because um, those these two, in my mind, were the best captains to have. Um. And I had wrote that down. Like, I didn't just write two names. I said, honestly, this is the best pair that we're going to have. Like, out of what I what I see and what I hear and what I know about people, like, these two are going to be good. And so that's what I wrote down. And um, so then uh, I guess he took everyone's uh, notes and put it together. And so there, it's four captains this year, mm-hmm. which is quite a, which is quite a lot. Yeah. For the amount of people that we have. But okay. I think there's two very well-rounded uh, captains. And there's another two that are 
also captains, so that's good. Um, just more leadership. Um, I am the only one, I'm the only senior that's not a captain, which I'm not mad about at all because I am not captain material because I don't even want to do softball. And every time we have to do something, I kind of go like this. <laughs> like, yeah. I kind of just, like, <laughs> bend my head back, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, every time we have to run, or every time, like, there's a girl that I don't necessarily um, have a liking to, says something, and it's just kind of like, oh, my gosh, really? You know, it's kind of just like, whatever. One of the other ask. captains. Yeah, one of the other captains. So I'm just like, Ugh. you know? But, I mean, that's, like, just, like, how I am. Um, I'm sure, you know, that if I, like, I'm sure that if I wanted to be more of a leader, I could be more of a leader, but I don't want to be a captain at all. So I'm kind of just not going to be like that, you know? Yeah. Like, because um, the next day, the next day after they announced that they're uh, the captains, uh, the next day they had to, they have to clean out the shed. Like everyone, uh, it was an optional practice and it was just going to be cleaning the shed. And I was like, I'm not going, I'm getting Burger King. I'm going to go get a milkshake. <laughs> yeah. And so I was going to get a milkshake and then I came back. Like I came back in. I didn't help though. Not really. I wasn't going to move anything. It was really cold. Um, everybody went to go clean out the shed though. I really like yeah. everybody on the team. They're so nice. And nobody yeah, has like so any nice. drama with anybody. And it's really yeah. nice. And it's like fun. And it's like new friends. Oh, yeah. And then there was this, there was these pairs of girls and they were like, uh, we've been, we were friends since like a very young age and we just rekindled that relationship in softball. Did you hear yeah. that on Friday? Yeah. That I was heard. cool to see. So uh -huh. that's really nice. But everyone's super nice and it's, it's a really good team so far. Everyone's mm -hmm. just very supportive of each other right now too. Mm -hmm. um, no one's really gotten mad at each other and it's just really nice to see, you know, of course there's going to be like um, a little bit of uh, position quarrels, you know, but yeah. that's it I, that I see so far. Um, yeah, pretty good though. Pretty good so far. Excited to go into this week. It's supposed to be a little bit nicer weather. Not that nice, but it's supposed to be in the 50s or something. Mm -hmm. So that's not too bad. We're excited. Um, anything else we got planned out for the day? Daddy's doing a podcast with JR, we believe. Yeah, that's so, right now. Yeah, so it's Glee time for us and Alexa. We yep. watch Glee whenever he does podcasts with other people. Yep. With other guests. And every time, like, they start singing, Alexa has, like, turn down the volume and, and then yeah. she'll turn it back up a little bit when they stop. And when they stop it, yeah. then, like, five minutes later, she has to turn it back down. And it's, yeah. It's a the lot. The remote is constantly in her hand. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Fix and I Talk about our bathroom talk and our um, weeks and our dilemmas and solved dilemmas. So thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. We miss you and we love y'all. Yes. But stay stay real stay safe because I've been seeing y'all. I've been seeing a lot of Snapchats. Yeah. And people are not wearing the masks. Okay. Yeah. It's not good and it's making me really sad. <laughs> and yep. I don't want to see that. So please keep your masks on and please wash your hands and stay safe. You know, that's like on my just, mind 24 7. Yeah, I know. It gets me like sad, you know? Yeah. And so just everyone stay safe, you know? Like not wearing a mask like out in public, like at, at yeah. like at Walmart or like wherever is so unattractive. <laughs> attractive. 
it's dangerous, okay? So just stay safe and just continue to wash your hands real good and wear your mask when you go out. I mean, it's not it's not too hard. I know you, you know yeah. everyone's been doing it. You know, it's not a really hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to see not people wearing masks though, okay? So I would yeah. just say you're hurting your family members. Medea, why are you being so weird? <laughs> okay. So just well, yes, please stay safe. Yeah. Because if you're not safe, you won't be able to listen to us anymore, okay? So just please. <laughs> you won't be able to hear any more of our dilemmas. And we got a lot in the future, probably. Yeah, we're about, we're to, about 18. to be 18. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on now. We got a life of dilemma ahead of us. So stay tuned. We're just getting started. <laughs> right? What was this dilemma? Energy drinks. It's yeah. going to get a lot harder. <laughs> We're going to graduate soon. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not well, Stay it. tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. We got so many dilemmas ahead of us, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> oh, man. All right. Stay safe. We're going to leave because um, I got to take a shower. And what are you going to do, Medea? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Great pod. Bathroom talk is over now. Suffice it to say, man, like talking to Alexa, Alexa mentioned three stories and immediately said, none of those can you tell. Right. And I was like, <laughs> Your three stories made me think of eight stories that I cannot tell. And I think that's part of the reason why we're so close. We were, uh, we were young and wild and free, as the song goes. We did make a lot of mistakes together. Some big, some small. Most of them are small. But a lot of mistakes and a lot of just bagging on each other for making these mistakes. <laughs> like just, just roasting each other uh, because we were so real with each other. Um, like if I was doing something that was stupid, it's not like you would come out and be like, this is stupid, but you'd be like, so tell me this, so tell me that. And then at a certain point, it'd be like, mm. but you know, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Like, be like, yeah, yeah, it's probably not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel like I would try to give you that same thing, you know? Yeah. My friend Sarah puts it is that, you know, we're both two alpha males that coexist like mm. perfectly <laughs> like we'll take turns talking or like like nobody's like like respect each other we love each other like Absolutely. you talk i'm listening and we're always actively listening to each other and bouncing off each other and it's not like one of us has never like shrunk into the background oh man that's a really good point you know, one of the things, so it's always, it's one of those things, it's okay if somebody else calls you an alpha male, it's not okay if you call yourself one. Um, nothing upsets me more than when someone is like pounding their chest as yeah. as an alpha male, when you're like, eh. I mean, no. You either are or you aren't. <laughs> you either are or you aren't. And it's funny because I remember I had an issue, of course, why wouldn't I? I had an issue with the flight chief one time and I, you know, I, I was an NCOIC 
and this dude had come in and was making a, a bunch of abrupt changes. One of these dudes that's like, let me see what I can change as opposed to let me see the lay of the land and see if anything needs to change, right? And I went and I talked to my supervisor at the time and I was like, what do you think the best approach is here? And I had asked for time with the supervisor for, you know, it was a ready requested, like, let's talk. Cause the dude wouldn't talk to me unless it was like formal. So I was like, let's just like, Hey, like it was day 59 of 60 days, you know, you know what I mean? Like, come, like talk to me. And, um, they had already spent a lot of time with each other cause they, they both smoked. So they were at the smoke pit, you know, five or six times a day with each other already. This dude that I had a problem with and my supervisor. And I was like, I came to him with a, for instance, and I was like, so what do you think the best thing is from a professional standpoint for me to be able to approach this issue that I'm having with a, and like, he cut me off. It was like, I'll tell you what your problem is. <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> cause you know what my problem is. Cause right. you've been out there palling around with the dude who hates me. You know, going to Air Force, going Air Force, explain this to me. Oh yeah, for sure. And he's like, the problem is, you know, both of y'all are alphas, but he's the flight chief, so you guys don't want to, you know, you guys have issues with each other because you're both alphas, and and you don't want to give him, you know, his due. And I was like, I was looking at him, and I was like, an alpha, <laughs> like this dude just failed the PT test, and I like, I, I, I'm not out there. <laughs> calling you anything <laughs> you know what I mean like I'm not yeah dude I'm not trying to bag on people that fail PT tests but like don't no. <laughs> don't get in my face tell me that my flight chief is an alpha when dude can't run a mile and a half in like 20 minutes or whatever it is you know what I mean like, <laughs> come on now like dude's I'm, not I'm an not alpha. one I'm not one to hand out labels but if I do <laughs> you're not getting that one well, um, what the hell were we even talking about there? I don't even know. Before I clapped real loud right into the microphone for no reason. Sorry about that. No, I'm good. We were talking, we, we started with Pooh and him and I being really close. Nothing has been more of an affirmation to me that I keep good company than, than you two um, having the friendship and brotherhood that you guys have had. And um, for what you guys have brought me and, and embraced my family too. Um, both of you guys have with open arms embraced Kevin. You see Journey as a sister. Um, your relationship with Alexa is obviously storied. You, you said it earlier, but you, you were her first supervisor. Like she, she got BTZ with you as her suit, you know. Um, you're embedded in this family. When I when I go and I talk to, we have an ALS top off course because ALS doesn't like teach the things that ALS should teach anymore. ALS teaches a lot of things. It doesn't teach all the things that it should. We have a top off course. And when I talk about the, important, uh, the, the importance of supervisors, I specifically speak about, I bring Kevin up and I say like, my brother, is security forces. He's a cop. He's well-trained. He came into the Air Force with a martial arts background. He has gone through Rock Ranger School and now he's a Raven. He's done all these things. His first duty station was overseas and he was able to, you know, guard a base, 
check people coming in, was able to uh, thwart an espionage attempt, right? Caught people that were trying to record actions at the base. He was able to do all these things, make arrests, but the Air Force didn't trust him with one thing until he went to ALS and that was supervising somebody. They're like, hey, you can take care of the base, <laughs> but I don't trust you with the airmen yet. And that's how seriously we should take like becoming a supervisor, how important that is. Um, and then I transition to you and say that, you know, my, my wife's first supervisor, you know, worked her through BTZ, right? Was my best friend at the exact same time, um, was one of two people that was there at our wedding, has come out here to visit me you know, when, when, when I'm giving the speech and I was like, these relationships that you have with your troops, it is much more than the person who signs the EPR. Like, this is the military. Like we're not, when you're a supervisor, you're not like making sure somebody clocks out for their break. You're making sure they're all right because they had a family member that just passed away. You're making sure that they have emergency leave and they get home. You know, you're making sure that their budget is on point and they're not going into debt. You are trusted with the care of our most precious thing in the military, which is our airmen. And um, anytime that I have an engagement, I talk of that. I, I, I can't talk about the importance and the impact, the long lasting impact of being a supervisor without talking about you. So um, I don't know if you knew that, but sharing that with you. Did not. Anything else before we go to dad jokes? No, that was it. I mean, I, I I want the girls to know that, you know, we're all very invested in their lives, even though I've met them a couple of times. They might not remember. I remember one time we went to the movies. I brought my daughter. We saw Up in 3D. 100. What a tearjerker. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that I remember, you know, you picking them up in San Antonio and we're going to get pancakes. I think I have a picture somewhere like huge pancakes and they're sitting across from me mm -hmm. but you know they have people everywhere you know if they need me you know i would i would do for them like i would do for you you know i'm like the chocolate chip on their shoulder <laughs> <laughs> beautifully said man beautifully said um obviously obviously same for your kiddos man i i I'd do anything for you do anything for them um, they have any issues, it's on site. Right. So we relate, right? We relate because we've had, uh, we've had a lot of hardships in our life. We relate for a lot of different reasons, but one of the biggest things that we relate on is just comedy and humor. So let's do something that is an abomination to comedy and humor. And let's get these dad jokes going. Let's go. Gonzo Fatherhood presents Dad jokes. Now, Sam, you got to tell me, what is the smelliest type of ox? <laughs> I don't know. A buttocks. <laughs> <laughs> You know why it's funny? Because it doesn't have to be that way. There's bidets, 
there's wipes. We've had this conversation before. Yes. You're not sophisticated if you don't dry, wet, dry. Come on I mean, now. What are you doing? If you were literally just using a piece of paper, Demolition Man told us it was archaic, 97. Right. You're just spreading it around. <laughs> if somebody came over and they pooped on your arm and you grabbed a paper towel and just kind of rubbed your arm. Rub it in there. <laughs> you're not done. No. <laughs> Then you then you RNC your buddy. <laughs> yeah. Don't turn into that choke. Just go out. <laughs> it's worth it. All right, you're up. Yeah. Knock knock. Who's there? I eat mop. I eat my poo. You nasty. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> I have not heard this one. I have not I eat my poo. <laughs> Damn it. I had to say it. I had to respect the knock knock. I had to respect the knock knock joke. I had to say it. Should we read into the fact that the first two jokes had to do with a buttocks and then poo? No. <laughs> Shout out to Pooh Bear. Two fish swim into a wall. One of them turns around and the other and says, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see, um, whenever I see a Dan, no matter what, it comes up in a movie, it comes up in the show. I can't help but think of Vegas Vacation. Like, take all the damn pictures you want, and oh boy, been like, where can I get some damn bait? <laughs> like, <on the> way. <laughs> why did Karen press Control Alt Delete? I don't know. She wanted to talk to the task manager. <laughs> I don't mind that one. It's kind of topical. This one's actually really good for you because you watched a show, and I only know this because you used to quote it all the time when we were working in the knock. You watched a show that Alexa watched. She only let me watch one episode with her, and she was like, you're banned from watching this show with me because I wouldn't shut up during it. But it was a show about, uh, it was a show about Dracula's and Wolfman. It was Dracula's and Wolfman, but the lead character, she wasn't a Dracula or a Wolfman. She was a Tinkerbell. Uh, it, was called, um, it was called True Blood. I, re I recently rewatched it. <laughs> so you, you would watch this, and I remember because like we would be there in the knock, and out of nowhere, you'd be like, Suki. <laughs> Suki is mine. Do not harm Suki. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant, but I was like, okay. And Alexa obviously watched it. So this one is an homage to you guys watching right. True Blood. What do you call a werewolf YouTuber? I don't know. A like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Did you hear about the kidnapping at school? <laughs> Go ahead. Don't worry about it. She woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Fix told that joke on this program. Hey. Someone isn't caught up. Damn. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> <laughs> that joke's in case you guys were napping during a previous episode of Gonzo Fatherhood. 
wake up. This one kind of hits close to home. So this one's, this one's a little tough for me, but I'm going to say it anyway. What's the difference between taxes and Texas? I don't know. Taxes can keep your electrical grid operational. <laughs> My bad. Because <laughs> of because of the money and the privatization of the electrical grid, it's not a good. It's not a good idea. It's not. It's not a good idea to have an unregulated electrical grid. Is that is the reason that that joke exists? Why is Peter Pan always? Why is Peter Pan always flying? I don't know. Because he never lands. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a perfect joke. It's a perfect joke. I hate you. Dad jokes! That was an exceptional segment of dad jokes. I was, on my, I was up late last night working on my dad joke game. We really did hit on a lot of points. Uh, I thought it was important to have you on to hit on a couple of things, man. Some of the stuff that you said was super enlightening to me. Um, just talking about how God dog, man, like even myself, right? Like I consider myself to be pretty woke, right? I would say that I have, I have woke apnea at times where I have, I have periods of unwokeness and I think even when I'm hearing things sometimes and I'm hearing things explained. So I'll be honest, when I'm hearing you explain the things that you're saying to your daughter, I'm like, I can't help but put my experiences and like see it through that lens and start to say in my mind, like, that's too much. Legitimately in my mind, I'm like, ah, it's not, but, but it should. And I catch myself saying, but it shouldn't be that way. But you shouldn't have to say that to your daughter. But you shouldn't have to do this. And while that's a true sentence, it's irrelevant because you do. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're told in this country not to be proud to be basically what people consider stereotypically Black. We're told not to be proud of it. We're told to shy away from it. If you get money, you need to move out of, and that goes for everywhere. If you get money, you got to move out of your hood. If you, you know, because you've you've grown, you you're the one that pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. So why are you hanging around people that haven't accomplished that? So you need to mm -hmm. separate yourself from that. Um, you move to white neighborhoods. Those where the good schools are, but who are the schools good for? Are they good for us? Or who are they good for? I mean, who who determines what are good schools? You know. Mm. I always say that, like, if you go from a school, if you're in a school where your teacher looks like you and they're nurturing to a school where your teacher doesn't look like you and they're not nurturing, how is that a better school for you? Of course, you may have different access to different things, but access doesn't mean that necessarily you have access. Yeah. Just depends. I think, I think every parent has to weigh that out and you know, just like I said, uh, don't tell people, like I said, that your hair looks good straight 
or that whenever they're doing something that could possibly be considered as a white feature that they're better. Yeah. I don't think people realize that. Don't tell little black boys that they can play sports. I'm not a sports dad. So, you know, my son is huge. Don't tell him he's gonna be a football player. Maybe he's gonna be a doctor. Well put, man. Um, JR, I call you JR. I'll call you Sam. Sam, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I can't express enough. I can't believe how this continues to happen where I learn something from people that I love and have known for so long every time we have these conversations. It does take a good amount of strength, in my opinion, to come on here and say your truth and to speak about um, things that are personal. So I really appreciate you coming on here and I have to absolutely have you on here again. Um, we've been talking about like maybe having you and Pooh, like, like just like get, getting people together and just doing a round robin of some topics and, and, and talking about, it. I think that would be super fun. But in any case, all that aside, thanks, man. Really appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Anytime. I'll do anything for you. <laughs> I'll do anything for you, man. Love you, bro. Love you too, man.